I'm currently 66 degrees just outside the KTTR studio, and it is time for Ask the Professionals. Our own Summer Overshawn is here, and I finally got her name right you because did. I was able to finally uh, put some thoughts together. Uh, yeah, I, I, I scolded you last week because I said yeah. it's been eight years. Yeah. I think you should have gotten it right. But <laughs> hey, here we are, and I'm impressed. Uh, I'm impressed. Like I said, you know, I'm on a new <laughs> new uh, day, and of course, uh, we have a new show. And we do. What are we going to be discussing today? We are going to be talking about urinary tract infections and hematuria, which is blood in the urine. Mm-hmm. And we have with us a urologist with the Phelps Health Medical Group, Dr. Joel Leon Becerril. And I probably did not do that correctly, but it was the best Spanish I could do. Okay, actually. That was pretty close. Was it? Yes. But we're going to call you Dr. Leon. Yeah, that's easier. That's easier. <laughs> so, good morning, Dr. Leon. Good morning, everyone. And how are you today? I'm doing great. And we're so glad you're here. And um, before we get started, though, please talk to our audience a little bit about, just give them a little background about yourself, how you chose this profession, where you went to school, and your special interests, and ultimately why you chose to, to practice at Phelps Health. Okay. So, um... I went to medical school in Mexico and then moved to Texas for uh, my residency training. I trained at the University of Texas in San Antonio. Uh, I trained in the, uh, to be a urologist. Why I like to be a urologist, why I chose urology as a career, um, it's because of um, the closest thing to be paid to be playing video games and helping people at the same time is urology. Mm-hmm. So um, I um, enjoy playing video games and Roy enjoy using all the newest technology available and urology is always, always, always improving, always, always coming up with something new. So I get to play with lasers, with robots, with mm-hmm. ultron machines, and that's what is closest to be paid to be playing video games. And you were saying before the program that the lasers even improve from even with the time that you got here. Yes. Um, and uh, and this relates to the question, why would it, why did I choose Phelps Health mm-hmm. to work here? Um, the, um, the hospital, when I first interviewed here, told me that they were going to provide me with all the tools I needed to develop my career and to help people around here. Right. And they have. Mm-hmm. So they recently purchased the state-of-the-art laser. It's a $200,000 equipment that only there's a couple of them in St. Louis, and Barnes is just ordering the same equipment right. so we have the same equipment they're using upon Jewish that you don't for, need to be traveling you don't need to be traveling and we'll be using state-of-the-art technology state-of-the-art techniques for getting treatment for your big kidney stone mm-hmm. or for any of your bladder or prostate problems we have it here in home now you were saying give give the audience idea of what you were telling me before about the difference with this laser versus the old one so when I first started here we had what it, we called a 20 watt laser um, that an easy stone will take 20 minutes to break with this new laser it's done in a minute isn't that amazing um, wow you used to have to pass the stones yeah, you used to have the passive stones, and whenever you do the surgery, it just takes longer. So the longer you're in surgery, the more painful it is, the longer the recovery. With this, is just just blast the stone. Wow. And you were saying before the program, too, which, which is really endearing, so I'm going to bring it up. But you were saying that another reason why you enjoy this area so much is because you and your wife have a young family. Yes. And you love being able to go home on your lunch break and eat lunch with your kids and yes. just not having to worry about being stuck in traffic somewhere. Yes. And you're, it's just, it's really, really nice. So this community is wonderful. They've been great to you. And you said that everybody is so nice here. Yes. We love it. We <laughs> yeah. like, I like being here. My family and I love being here and we're, we're planning to stay. 
Very, and we're glad you are. So again, we're talking to Dr. Leon today, who is a urologist with the Phelps Health Medical Group about urinary tract infections and hematuria, which is, which is essentially blood in the urine. Dr. Leon, you are accepting new patients. So if you're listening today and you're hearing something you like, give us a call at 364-9000 or visit phelpshealth.org to learn more about Dr. Leon and his practice. So let's get into the program. What is a urinary tract infection? Because that is something that you hear a lot about, but there's so many different symptoms. So what is it essentially? So a urinary tract infection means that there is bacteria in the urinary tract and it's giving you symptoms, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, We have to make a really specific difference between a urinary tract infection and what is called asymptomatic bacteriuria. Having bacteria in your urine, if you have no symptoms, doesn't equal to an infection. An infection, you need to have bacteria in your urine and you need to have symptoms. So what symptoms people get when they have a UTI? So they have uh, frequent urination, mm-hmm. urgent urination, which means that you cannot hold your urine. You need to really, really need to go. Mm-hmm. You have a painful urination. Uh, you may see blood in your urine. Uh, you may have some kidney pain, which will be a flank pain. And you may have fevers, chills, and sometimes incontinence, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, do all people that have those symptoms have a UTI? Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. That's why it's important for you to look for medical attention when you have those symptoms. Sometimes people believe they have a UTI, and the only thing they have is a condition called overactive bladder, and there's people that, that I've seen that keep getting antibiotics, antibiotics, antibiotics. And nothing's need. helping it. Nothing's helping it. And you just end up having urinary incontinence that can be treated with different strategy that doesn't involve an antibiotic that can give you a serious side effect or mm-hmm. it can give you a secondary infection like di- and cause diarrhea. Okay. Wow. So urinary tract infections can be, they're, they're obviously not fun. They're painful. I mean, I've had a couple. They're not fun. Most people I know have had some in their lifetime. But when does it get serious? Because then I've heard about kidney infections how it can move up into the kidney so why are, should people be diligent if they notice a change in in the way they're going to using the restroom like that they should go and probably talk to somebody because you don't want it to turn into something worse yes so people who are at high risk for having a complicated urinary tract infection are people who are elderly people who are diabetic and have not good control of their blood glucose or mm-hmm. people who are in any sort of chemotherapy or immune therapy that weakens their immune system those patients are at higher risk for having a complicated urinary tract infection. Also, people who have any sort of specific anatomic anomalies um, that were born like that and mm-hmm. they have this problem. So those are the people who should be really paying attention to these uh, infections. Uh, why it's important? I mean, kidneys get about 20% of each heartbeat. If the kidney gets infected, that means that the kidney is in touching 20% of all the bloodstream every time the heart beats, and that blood can get infected and could be really serious. And that could lead to blood, like the septic. Sepsis, oh, ICU, and okay. all that stuff. Yeah, so be diligent about that if you're, if you're having some problems. But what are the causes then of urinary tract infections? So... Um, it all depends. Uh, so there are people that have acute episodes that they just most of the times randomly happen. Mm-hmm. And some other people that have recurrent infections, which are defined of having uh, more than three to six infections in the last six months. Um, so people who just randomly happen to have a urinary tract infection is just like, um, especially in females, it's just the anatomic uh, way they are made. Mm-hmm. The urethra is really short and it's close to the, uh, to the rectal area that's full mm-hmm. of bacteria. Mm-hmm. 
And people who have had this record and tract, urinary tract infections tend to be people that don't drink enough water, people that sometimes have this infection associated with sexual intercourse, or um, there are people that um, they just hold their urine too much and they don't like to go pee, mm-hmm. or people that are, they don't take care of their diabetes or any other conditions that weaken the immune system. Now, when I was prepping for, for today's program, it was talking about how some women, like, they will they will get them after sexual intercourse mm-hmm. or, um, let's see, what was the other one? If they're not wiping in the proper manner. So those are true because you've heard those things, but you kind of don't know if it's true or false, if it's tr- it's yes. the cause. Yes, and that's why it's important to um, seek for help, especially if you start to have urinary tract symptoms after sexual activity. Um, and then um, in those patients, what we do when we have, when we have found the, the cause, we just have them take an antibiotic right after intercourse, and that mm-hmm. takes care of the problem, mm-hmm. just one single dose. Okay. But we need to prove that you have had the infection, and the only way to prove it is if you come to your visit. Right. So let's talk about that. Let's, you come in to see Dr. Leon. What can they expect? So um, it will be, uh, uh, my nurse will check you in, we'll check your vital signs. We will make sure that you're emptying your bladder. There are sometimes people that don't empty their bladders all the way, and that's the reason why they keep getting infections. Mm-hmm. And you have the way you have to think this is, the urine is full of food for bacteria to grow. So it's warm and it's full of food. Why bacteria would like to leave, right? So the only way you need to do it is wash it out. How you wash it out? By going to the restroom. How are you going to go to the restroom? By drinking a lot of fluids. If you don't drink fluids or if you hold urine for a long time, you just give bacteria a chance to be there, make mm. your bladder their home. That's, and an, and that's a interesting way. I mean, I've never thought about it like that. Mm-mm. So mm. when you're saying you need to be drinking a lot and hydrating yourself, you're, are you talking specifically water? Uh, water is better, but if you're going to... Water is the best. Okay. Okay. Um, sometimes um, cranberry juice have been studied that it can help. Um but it hasn't been proven that it does help, and it has not been proven that it doesn't help. So it's mm-hmm. kind of in a gray area. Right. It's been studied, though. Some people may have, um, some people that I have recommended some cranberry juice or even cranberry pills. Because mm-hmm. um, I've seen those at Walmart, even. Yes. Uh, they have had less episodes of infections. Uh-huh. But one thing that is proven that is increased fluid consumption, especially after menopause, mm-hmm. decreases the episodes of urinary tract infections. And sometimes what I've seen is people, especially elderly females, they don't want to drink fluid because they have to go to pee a lot and sometimes they'll make it to the restroom. And, That's a good point. That's and, a catch-22, isn't yes, it? Yes, and you're just putting yourself into a high risk for having an infection when if you increase your fluid intake, I can help you to control your urinary symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, the, your frequency and your urgency, we help. We do it with diet modification. Sometimes you're just drinking a lot of coffee, and coffee makes you go pee a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just uh, eating a lot of spicy food or acidic food, and they'll make you go pee a lot. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you're just... That's the way your bladder is right now. And there are pills, even Botox injections into the bladder, which is now approved for treatment of incontinence. Let's talk about that because that was something new I learned before the program too because I'm hearing more and more about Botox used for medical purposes because we tend to think of it just for cosmetic, right? Mm -hmm. But it's being used for so many things. It's it's like migraines, I've heard, um, TMJ pain, um, spasticity, which is what you're talking about with the bladder. Yes. So can you expand on that? So um, there are two types of urinary incontinence, um, mainly. There are other types, but the most common ones is the 
the one that happens when people cough or sneeze, that's usually associated with having a female that had a lot of uh, vaginal deliveries and mm -hmm. everything gets loose down there and they cannot control it anymore. That's Botox doesn't work for that. If it's here in Rolla, after um, practicing for almost two years, I've seen that the most common incontinence that we have around here, it's called urge incontinence. Is people that are just all of a sudden get the urge to go pee and they just cannot make it to the restroom. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's managed completely different with the other one. The other one needs a sling procedure when you cough or sneeze. And this one, you just need to change your diet, uh, take some medication to make your bladder not to squeeze that much. And if the medications don't work, we can inject Botox. Botox, it's a toxin. It's a toxin made by a bacteria. So these bacteria paralyzes the muscle. When everybody had a botulism, they, um, um, they just became completely paralyzed. So someone thought of idea of just isolating this toxin and make it available as an injection so you can inject locally and partially paralyze something that's working too much. It's so amazing. If your bladder is overactive, is working too much, which is just injecting half of your bladder some Botox, and your bladder will not be working that much, and you'll be dry, because that's what people are aiming for, being dry. Right. Well, of course. How much of an inconvenience would that be that you're worried about? You, it would, it would limit your wanting to go do things because you'd be afraid something might happen or you might have an accident. How long do the results last when somebody has the Botox so in the bladder? Botox is great because it works right away. Mm -hmm. There are people that, some, uh, that they don't have good results or the Botox works too well. The bladder doesn't squeeze at all. So Botox is good because it works right away. And if it works too much, it works off. So Botox needs to be re-injected every six to nine months. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that's how long the the, okay. the um, results last, and it just could be doing. And patients are really, really happy. I started doing this in this area about six to nine months ago. And my understanding is you're the only one in the area that does this. Yes, I'm the only one in the area that has been doing this. Uh, if you want to have it done before, you had to travel to Springfield or St. Louis mm -hmm. or Columbia. Yeah. So we have this right here in our own urology clinic at Phelps Health. It's amazing. Yes. So let's go back to um, a, a patient shows up at your office, and we're still working through what how do you get them from when they get in your office to knowing what the problem is if they have a UTI and what the next steps are? So they do a workup, you so, said? Yeah, we do a workup. We make sure we do a bladder ultrasound to mm -hmm. make sure the bladder is empty. We will uh, obtain a urine sample. The urine sample will be studied to see if there's any presence of bacteria and the urine will be sent for culture. Um, what I do is if I don't have any, sometimes um, patients don't get urine cultures, they just get urine analysis. Mm -hmm. If they don't have any urine culture, I just make sure that every single time they have a, what is suspected UTI, they call my office, they let us know, and they come to my office to deliver a urine sample so we can make sure the urine has been sent for culture to be actually know that we're dealing with a UTI mm -hmm. and not with something else. Right. Uh, sometimes people do have a lot of UTIs and we end up having to do a workup, well, which will include obtaining a special CT scan. You're looking for a kidney stone. Kidney stone can be a source of infection, especially if it's chronically infected. And we do also a cystoscopy, putting a camera in the bladder, looking for anything else that could be abnormal that would be predisposing the patient to keep having UTIs that mm -hmm. can be surgically fixed. And if it's surgically fixed, problem is solved. It's amazing. So what kind of treatment can you expect then? Say the culture comes back and they are positive mm -hmm. for a UTI, then what? So usually it's if it's a simple UTI, it's a three-day antibody course uh, for acute episodes. Uh, whenever someone has uh, recurrent UTIs, we have different alternatives. We can have the option of treat them as they come. 
uh, we can have something called self-start therapy. Patients um, they already know they have UTIs, already know which bacteria are giving them the UTIs, so I give them a, um, a um, 90-pill prescription for the bacteria that knows has been able to treat the prior mm -hmm. episodes, and whenever they, they feel they have a UTI, they just start taking the medication for three days. If their symptoms don't improve, they have to come to my office so we can get another urine sample and evaluate to see what the, what the problem is. Mm -hmm. There's another thing called the chronic suppressive antibiotic therapy, where the patient take an antibiotic for three months, and then we switch a different antibiotic for another three months, and then we'll start over again. All these recommendations are based on the American Urological Association guidelines that they were just published for urinary tract infections mm -hmm. couple of months ago. Yeah. So you follow the guidelines, you're keeping up on education, you're always doing what's best and the best practice um, available. Yeah, I've learned a lot today, haven't you, Al? Uh, I mean, we're not even through yet, but I've already learned a lot. I, I'm fascinated I know, by I how am, much I've learned. I know. I can't believe how, uh, how... Something so simple, you think you got it, you yeah. understand it, and I apparently didn't. Yeah, well, I mean, it's strange the fact that you could drink too much water mm -hmm. or not enough water right. and have the same symptom, which would probably throw many people off that tried to self-diagnose themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes, and even doctors, mm -hmm. because they uh, they keep giving antibiotics. Antibiotics, it is not an infection, it's something else. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes, people that have a lot of frequency and urgency, they just don't have an infection, have an overactive bladder, they can have an under, a hidden tumor mm -hmm. that is will be irritating the bladder. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to if you have right. the symptoms to seek for medical attention. Which is, the, that's a perfect segue because yeah. we were going into the hematuria, which is blood in the urine. Yes. So let's talk about that. Okay. So if you see blood in your urine, you need to be calling your doc. Yes. It's not normal to have blood in your urine. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there are two types of blood in urine. The one that you see and the one that you don't see. The one that you don't see, it's called microscopic hematuria. And the one you do, do see, it's called macroscopic hematuria, which is gross blood in urine. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them, um, they're not normal, okay? Mm -hmm. First, we need to make sure that you don't have an infection. If we, we know that you don't have an infection, we proceed with what is called a hematuria workup. This workup is recommended by the American Urological Association, and it consists of a CT scan of the abdomen and pelvis, looking at every single organ that is touched by urine. Okay, so the kidney makes urine, so you have to make sure you don't have a kidney stone. You need to make sure you don't have a kidney tumor. You do, and then you go down to the ureter, which is the tube that drains the urine down to the bladder. You need to make, make sure that you don't have a stone in the ureter. You need to make sure you don't have a tumor in the ureter. Mm -hmm. And then you go down to the bladder. The bladder, it's poorly visualized by a CT scan. You need to have something huge in your bladder uh, to be a evident on a CT scan, but you can have a small lesion in your bladder that can make you bleed. So this is complemented by a cystoscopy, which is done in the office. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and we're looking again for bladder tumors or bladder stones. Okay. So um, whenever you have blood in your urine, um, and if you see the blood, you're, there are like 20, 25% chance that you're going to find something in the workup. When you don't see the blood, when it's microscopic, there's like a between a five eight percent chance of finding something and when you when you do find something it really makes a difference mm -hmm. well and it's interesting too because i think so many females especially would just write that off to have to be in some something with their monthly period mm -hmm. how so how would they be able to tell because they're used to seeing blood so how, you know how would they know that it's not just it's something different than what they're used to seeing. So when, when this happens when they're under period, it's really hard to make a difference. Mm -hmm. But well, all of a sudden when you see blood, when you're not supposed to see blood, mm -hmm. you should be worried. Okay. So that's not just something abnormal with your period. Yes. Okay. 
That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, don't assume that it's that. Yes. Be calling your doc. Yeah, because if it happens when you're supposed to, when you're supposed to have your period, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if it happens when you were not supposed to. The other question I had is, is there any discomfort or pain that would also accompany any of that particular problem? If you do have an infection or there is a stone that is trying to pass, there will be discomfort. Usually when there is cancer, uh, there's none. Mm. And that's what I was going to bring up. My yeah. mother had uh, initial signs when she found out that she had developed cancer, and that was exactly her symptom really yeah, i'm sorry and i'm sorry that i kind of went no. into this so but it no, worked actually, out yeah like i said okay. th- this is starting to make more sense yeah. to me now so once again if you do start to see any of those symptoms find make sure that you mm-hmm. get in touch with your uh, right, medical your professionals right away and especially you know, people that are in blood thinners it doesn't matter you're in a blood thinner if you're just because you're in a blood thinner it's still not normal to bleed yeah sometimes mm-hmm. people say oh maybe i'm bleeding because i'm in a blood thinner no you're bleeding and you need to make sure you don't have nothing bad because if we find something, it's better to find it early than right. when it's too Always late. Always better to find it early than, than later. Mm-hmm. So are there certain people that are more predisposed or risk factors that are more prone to having the blood in the urine? Well, um, Like age or it's just, lifestyle? Know, so the way we have to see this is people that have stones are going to have blood in urine. But mm-hmm. the most important way is people who are at risk for developing any urinary tract cancer. Who are they? people who smoke. We have a lot of people that smoke in this area, and um, and they are a high risk for having a tumors of the urinary tract. So people who smoke are really high risk, or people who have worked in factories that are exposed to a lot of chemicals, especially uh, pain thinners. Hmm. That's interesting. Is there a, is there, as you get older, is there an increased risk as well, yes, just usually, typically because? Usually people 16 and above. 16 and above. 60. Oh, 60. I'm 60. sorry. I was like, wow. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling really old right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 60 and above. I will give you that blonde moment for free. Okay. <laughs> so what happens then um, when they come in and you find that there's blood in the urine? What are your next steps? As order to CT scan mm-hmm. is scheduled for a cystoscopy. Cystoscopy is done in clinic. Uh, we use a topical anesthetic to numb up the urethra. Mm-hmm. And this test is a little bit discomfort. There's a little bit of discomfort, and people really cannot stand it. And we can make arrangements to be done at a sedation in the okay. operating room. Very good. But 95% of the times we do it in the office. And then if we find something, we'll schedule for surgery to do a biopsy or okay. removal, depending okay. on what we find. So the biopsy is done. Mm-hmm. And then if it would come back as cancer... What, what do patients do at that point? It all depends where the cancer is located. Okay. Most commonly, the cancer is located in the bladder. Uh, most commonly, the bladder cancer is superficial, which is great. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that we need to do is we need to watch it periodically with cystoscopies in the clinic. When they're a little bit of a higher risk, we have to do what is called an intravesical therapy, which uh, we use um, either an intravesical chemotherapy or which use a uh, something called BCG, which is um, tuberculosis bacteria. Somebody 40, 50 years ago had the idea of injecting uh, t- bacteria into the bladder to simulate the immune system to attack the, that tuberculosis cell. And that same immune response will gonna kill cancer cells. So that's what we do in clinic. It's amazing. And it's interesting. This is um, this is happening a lot and happening all over the world. Right now, there's a worldwide shortage of that medication mm-hmm. because this, this is a real problem. It's being more and more diagnosed, so people really need to pay attention so we can diagnose it early and we don't have to use that medicine. 
Very good. Very good. Well, we're out of time because that's how quick it goes. Yeah. But we have been speaking today with Phelps Health urologist, Dr. Leon, about urinary tract infections and hematuria, which is blood in the urine. Dr. Leon is accepting new patients. He's more than happy to see you and talk to you and be your provider for um, as long as you need him. So please call him to make an appointment at 364-9000 or visit phelpshealth.org. Thank you. Also want to remind you that, uh, or actually I'd like to update you that Dr. Leon has had no notes sitting in front of him right now. No, he's amazing. Uh, very well versed in uh, all of these situations, but I, I really had learned a lot. Who would have known that tuberculosis <laughs> uh -uh. and botulism would have been two particular indicators to find out it's some of these urinary yeah. tract uh, problems? Yep. I think that we truly bring the best of the best to Phelps Health. That's right. Yeah. And I think that uh, that's exactly what this program brings to you right here on your news station. You've been listening to Ask the Professionals. Uh, of course, uh, Summer always does a wonderful job, and you've been listening to Dr. Leon. Once again, you could listen to Ask the Professionals every Thursday starting at 9 o'clock right here on your news station. We'll get uh, to some Missouri Net News. It's all coming your way right here on 99.7 KTTR News Radio. Excellent job, you guys. Yeah. Wow, this is one of them programs.